At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thursday, December 23rd. This is the Just Baseball Show. I am joined by Arm Layden and Clay Snowden, our resident Reds guy, but, and Just Baseball contributor, of course. I'm upset for a couple of reasons, and I'll tell you why. Arm, I was just with you in Florida, and I complained about the weather, but generally it was very sunny. And now I'm back in Santa Barbara. First day I get here, it's cloudy and rainy. And Santa Barbara is a place where there's consistent droughts because it doesn't rain. The day I get back, rainy and cloudy. But I also get upset when teams specifically teeter the line between trying to rebuild and trying to make it. They're just the middle ground teams that I'm always saying on TikTok lies on everything. Make sure your team has a plan to rebuild or a plan to actually try and be a great team. So that's why this is a perfect opportunity to play general manager for the Cincinnati Reds. Now, I just came in very heated. How are you guys doing? Today, we had the best weather that we had. Uh, don't in, tell me that. I'm telling you, it was like 65, went out, you know, went to the driving range, hit a few balls as a little break, decompressed today. It was beautiful here. Uh, so thanks for taking the weather back out that way. Yeah, uh, and I always love that? to put the GM hat and I'm pumped that we have clay to like, kind of keep us in check here yes. uh, and be like, no, there's no freaking way the reds would ever do that. Because I think all of my solutions, the answer will be, there's no way the reds would ever do that uh, because clearly they, they just relish the purgatory. 
Yeah, Clay is a perfect person to have on here because I'm trying to for the Yankees to trade for Luis Castillo for Miguel Andujar. And any person in their right mind would think that's ridiculous. So, Clay, how are you doing? Thank you for keeping us in check. You know, I'm doing well. You all are in Florida and California, and I'm in freaking Lexington, Kentucky. So I'm doing about as well as you can do in Lexington, Kentucky, cheering for a team that right now does not have a direction. Well, speaking about Lexington, Kentucky, and a lot of states down there in the south, they were affected by the tornadoes um, pretty terribly. And I know that they're, I'm not exactly sure of the death count, but last I checked, it was nearing 100 people. So we came out with a shirt, hashtag bigger than baseball, which you guys can find in the description of this podcast. And we are donating all proceeds and matching up to $500 to the charities down there to help out. Clay, can you just talk to the situation there a little quickly? Yeah, so I actually work in economic development for the state of Kentucky. Um, So those communities are pretty close to us. I was just in Mayfield back in September, the city that was absolutely destroyed. So um, tons of efforts are being made. It's amazing how the communities have rallied. So um, hopefully that energy keeps up into the new year and that city and the, the other cities outside of Kentucky as well are able to rebuild and um, those families are able to get back on their feet. And hopefully we can provide at least some sort of bright spot talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I know there's a lot of Reds fans down there in Kentucky. Um, obviously, it will never pave you know, enough, but we're going to try and at least make a little bit of a bright spot here. So, Clay, Aram, first, Clay, let me ask you. Is there a bright spot in 2022 for the Cincinnati Reds? There is. Um, luckily, their young players played well last year. Jonathan India was not expected to be on the opening day roster. Everyone expected the you know the manipulation of service time, and the Reds did something that they typically don't do and actually started him. Struggled a little bit out of the gate. Um, was really hot the first two weeks, but one in NL rookie of the year. So I don't know if he'll be able to match the stats or if he'll decline just a little bit, um, sophomore slump, or if we'll even exceed them, you know, who really knows Tyler Stevenson is, is looking like an all-star catcher. That guy has all the potential in the world. Um, They still have, you know, plus players on this roster. The question is, will they still be there come opening day, whenever opening day is. And Arm, you just completed the top prospects for the Reds, which you can also find on JustBaseball.com. And you got into a very heated debate on yesterday's episode, not even heated, more just talking about it for an hour and a half, about Lodolo versus Hunter Green, the two best pitching prospects in the Reds system. And we have Clay here to kind of answer that, but Clay seems to be on the same side as you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think more people – are warming up to that notion and that narrative. I feel like the people that follow pretty closely uh, are, are pretty understanding that Lodolo is, it just has more going on right now. And uh, I saw, you know, that's a lot of what, what Clay was explaining to some fans too, because I think, you know, a lot of fans, they keep up with the big league team. They keep up with like the headlines on the minor leaguers, which is, which is totally normal. I mean, it's just so much to keep up with. And you see, Oh, Hunter green, our second overall pick, who was this super hyped up superstar is now throwing 103, it's all coming together. And, and it is starting to come together. Uh, but, you know, I, I think when you look at what Lodolo did last year, it, it's hard to debate 
really anybody being further along than him. And, and that's the exciting thing is that both of these guys could make an impact at the big league level next year. I think Lodolo is ready to go day one. Uh, it's more of a matter of is the shoulder, you know, feeling ready to go. I know he had a little bit of dead arm. Hunter Green should be up by midseason. Yeah, you could rush him a little bit, but I think he's going to struggle with the long ball even more. Like, I think he needs to sort all of the things out that we talked about in the last podcast. But those are two arms that are going to be up very, very soon. And at the, at the big league level, I mean, you've got Luis Castillo. You've got Sonny Gray for now. You've got Tyler, Tyler Malley. Like, that that could be a really good five there uh, that really I, I I get excited about it. But I just have a weird feeling that it's probably not going to be looking like that uh, by the middle of the season. And and I I know that RM gets this all the time, but a lot of fans read about prospects and do not watch prospects. If they do watch a prospect, it's a 40-second highlight tape someone put together on Twitter. Of course, Hunter Green's highlight tape on Twitter of blowing 103 past it's some 19-year-old kid is going to do well. And everyone thinks this guy's the future. He's awesome. And don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be a really, really good plus starter for the Reds. However, if you watch these two pitchers, I just think that Lodolo is further along. He's older, too, so it's not some huge surprise. Everyone just wants Hunter Green to be the answer because he was tagged that way from the beginning of the rebuild. Hunter Green, 104, you know, everyone knew when's he going to be here. He's going to be this, uh, you know, all uh, uh, immaculate pitcher. Well, he's not there quite yet, and and they need to be patient with him because the last thing you want is Green to flame out or, you know, not work out because the Reds mismanaged him. And Clay, I'm talking to Arm like every single day about prospects. And sometimes I get sick of what he's telling me. So what, which kind of prospects have you seen in the red system that maybe not enough people are talking about that you're really excited about? Yeah. So um, I'll pull pull up the list to make sure I'm not missing any, but no offense. um, So the way that the way that I watch prospects typically is I watch eight MLB games on one time, four on TV, and four on my laptop. And then the next morning or the next day, I'll go back and watch the minor league game so I can skip in between the, you know, each pitch. This is why we love um, you. <laughs> so I know that Aaron put out his top 10 and I pretty much agree with all that he said. And we talked about it a little bit before, so I won't dive too deep. I know Ellie De La Cruz is kind of the hot prospect of not only just baseball, but Reg Twitter. Everyone loves him, and there's no reason not to. Um, and usually the way that these kind of catch on is somebody says, man, this is somebody you haven't heard of. And then everyone on Twitter's like, no, wait up. I've heard of him before you. Like, I'm out on, you know, <laughs> the hype train. Don't get me wrong. I'm there, too. So um, some players that I've watched, um, there's not like a ton that are sleepers or anything. Um Alejo Lopez was somebody who we talked about last year, Arm, and I do like him. I don't think he's going to be, you know, some huge all-star, but a switch-hitting bench bat who can put the ball in play. Um, he doesn't have much power, but the Reds need a lot right now. They were starting Mike Freeman last year. You know, if, if you can just get better in the backup spots and get slightly better, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help this team go a long way. Um, a few names. Can I be honest with you, Clay? Yeah. I don't even know who Mike Freeman is. And like I watch and I've watched so I've watched Reds games before. And like maybe I've come across a jersey that had Freeman on the back, 
but there's absolutely I, there's, no way that you this is maybe the first time in the podcast where you said a name that I genuinely don't know who that I said is. Mike Freeman Reds fans would oh my gosh and Indians fans laughed that's about what just happened but so am um, I okay for not knowing who that is yeah absolutely okay, cool. non-roster invitee like 30 years old infielder just an absolutely nothing, or as as we call them, Jags, which stands for just a guy. He's just a Jag. <laughs> All right, I um, like that. Dari Moretta is a guy who um, I think is going to play play a role in 2022 specifically. Um, he's a relief pitcher. He's not a super high prospect or anything, but he went like he had an insane streak of not allowing any runs in AAA last year. Got a little bit of a taste in the major leagues. And right now, this bullpen needs all the help that they can get. So if they have a young player who can come up and throw strikes and get outs, that's going to do wonders for them. Because right now, there's plenty of holes on the roster, but the bullpen's a huge question mark. So, um, Ellie De La Cruz, I saw something that you said in our group chat. And I want you to answer for your war crimes. War crimes, I'm calling them. And I'm not even going to say it. I want you to say what you said to me. Because this is a hot takes pod. It's crazy. You can't it's crazy. Hide from the it, group chat. It's crazy because I probably sent like a hundred texts in there <laughs> since then. And I already know exactly what text he's talking about. You know, about. I screenshotted it because I'm Oh God, that I know shit. exactly the text he's talking about. So I, I said <laughs> at this point, and honestly, I stand by it. I'll be on record. I know Pete's, Pete's basically calling my bluff and saying, are you willing to say it publicly? and on video and on audio, because if you're just saying it in the chat, just to stir the pot, like screw you. That's what like, I'm here saying. I am staring at the camera saying Ellie De La Cruz is a better prospect than Jason Dominguez. Dude. And I'm just going to go out there and say it. I'm going to put it down. You got me on record. You did it. You cornered me. There it is. I'm He's a better you. prospect than Jason Dominguez. And we'll see how it plays out. The uh, thing is, you've been you, in your top 100. What? Prove it in your top 100. Updates coming out in a couple of weeks. That's, That's going to be exciting, said. but no, but genuinely, because that it seems like a really hot take because you look on the surface at a Jason Dominguez, a guy who was hyped beyond belief compared to Mickey Mantle. And then if you haven't looked into what Jason Dominguez has been doing, it's, it's not your fault. Sometimes it's hard to go find, you know, low a highlights and stats, but that's what arm does. So genuinely, I am curious. Why do you prefer this guy over Jason Dominguez? He's already putting up higher exit velos and he's 150 pounds. So if if the big calling card is the strength for Dominguez, he's maxed out, right? Like he's not adding any more muscle, right? Like if he did, he else, might die. If he did, he'd actually like <laughs> he'd leave baseball and just become a bodybuilder, like at yeah. this point. So and it's not like I'm not trying to like rip Dominguez. It's just I'm looking at Dilla Cruz and and he's 150 pounds and he's in the ball 112, 113 miles an hour, switch hitter, plus plus runner. He could play defense at shortstop, uh, potentially move to third. And I'm thinking, okay, so what does Dominguez have that he doesn't? Uh, De La Cruz is 19 years old also. He's, he's a little bit older. So I'm like, I'm just looking at De La Cruz now, and I'm like, this guy's got to be in the top 100. So it, it's not as much me hating Dominguez. Like, I still think it could all click for Dominguez and he'll be a stud. But I'm like, okay, what do I like about Dominguez that – Dilla Cruz doesn't have going on. It's just the physical strength, but the exit velos are kind of the same. They're actually and also, better. And also, in favor of a 150 pound dude, I, you probably weighed that in seventh grade, Peter. I know. And I'm talking about in baseball, it always seems that, and you guys know this, that 
prospects for high profile teams just are deemed better than maybe guys on the Reds. That's just how baseball media works. So when you hear, and when you hear something like that, it seems blasphemous, but in actuality, how many Yankee prospects have been working out over the past decade? Not that many. Could Jason Dominguez fall in line? Quite possibly. I mean, there have been guys hyped up like Jesus Montero and even Gary Sanchez, of all people. But maybe Jason Dominguez isn't that guy. And a guy in in these other systems are just straight up better because, you know, that happens kind of all the time. So I'm not here to disprove that point. I'm just genuinely curious because, I mean, all the hype is around Dominguez, but maybe they got a better 19-year-old. Well, the problem, too, is, is this guy's far off. Several of the other guys are far off. Mm-hmm. And the only two guys that are really close to making an impact, I guess three, you know, Barrero is going to be up there opening day. Uh, you have the two arms that are knocking on the door that we just talked about. But outside of that, you don't, you don't really have that many prospects that like impact, impact prospects that are knocking on the door. Hendrick is incredibly far off. Serda is still far off. De La Cruz is not going to be there for a long time. So all of their best offensive prospects are far away. Their MLB players outside of Jonathan India, I mean, Winker's young as well, but you've got an aging Joey Votto, a useless Eugenio Suarez, Naquin's on the other side of 30, Farmer's on the other side of 30, and then on the pitching side, you've got some younger arms over there. But when I really look at the offensive side of things, I'm like, okay, how do they get better? How do you get better offensively this coming year? I know their offense was was good, but it, it had holes in it, right? And, and I think the easiest solution, I'm curious what you're looking at here, Clay, because it looks like they're not going to burn it down. At least that's what I think. They're, they're going to stay in the middle here, right? So when I'm looking at how do you make this team better without making any crazy, crazy moves, I'm looking at going to get an infielder who can hit southpaws. Like you need somebody that can offset this lineup that is all lefties who get carved up and light hitting righties. Uh, and now I look at it and I'm like, do you maybe just cut your t- like cut the losses with someone like a Eugenio Suarez at this point? Like, are, are you holding yourself back from going to get a better third baseman who might be affordable or it, like, is it really worth it? Like why still hold on to Suarez? I know he's expensive, but maybe you just cut and take your losses. Is that, is that too ridiculous? So first I want to touch a little bit on Dominguez. Anyone who has ever seen him run, should know why he may be falling towards the back end of the top 100. He runs like Enos Cantor. <laughs> Enos Freedom, sorry, changed his name. Um, but to, to the Reds' point, burning it down, I don't think that that's the move right now. Um, I think what they could be doing is waiting until 2024. 2024, you can not pick up the club option for Joey Votto, $20 million club option. Don't laugh when I say this, but you're going to deny that club option for Mike Moustakis at 20 million as well. Um, then you only have one year after that on Suarez's contract. Now Suarez is only at about 11 million a year. So it's not some huge, huge number, but for the Reds, it's pretty big. Now, can you trade him? If they could, I absolutely would. Um, he still has some pop. That's all you can do. I mean, this guy strikes out. He, he brings nothing besides home runs. So, 30 times a year, you're going to be happy, and that's it. Um, I don't know if they can just outright release him. I don't know if they would do that, Um, especially because they're so bad at hitting lefties. You might as well just platoon him at third base right now with, you know, Moustakis, if Moustakis is healthy enough to get on the field. 
So if they wait until 2024, okay, what do you do in the meantime? Well, you lock up whoever your core pieces are. Okay, who are your core pieces? Well, that's what they need to be deciding this offseason. And maybe they could sign somebody like a Castillo and buy out, you know, the, the arbitration years. Maybe they won't. But have they, have they said that, like, the, is the payroll going to go go up or down at all? Like, I, like I know they're not going to spend a ton, but they the, low-key have cleared up a lot of money. Like, they, they clear up uh, how much, like, from Castellanos? $13 million from Castellanos. They clear up another four from Lorenzen, another from four from Mike, or another four-ish, right, or three from Michael Givens, if I'm not mistaken, depending on mm-hmm. how the trade breakdown went. Like they're opening up some money, Tucker Barnhart off the books for four million. Like this adds up. You have yeah. enough to maybe go get one free agent or maybe two. I'm not saying break the bank, but you could go get a ten to twelve million dollar range guy that can help you, and you're still cheaper than last year. Maybe about the same after arbitration with some of these guys. Yeah, and what their GM said that was kind of alarming is he mentioned they need to realign their payroll. So to me, I don't really what does know that even what that mean? means. Realign <laughs> their that could mean so many different things. He, that he's could pretty be much buying, saying that could the, be selling. What is that? So realign. I think I think that and I, I think that quote's right. I'm I'm not gonna direct quote him, but um to me, what this team needs to do right now is again determine their core because what we've seen from the Reds is they're gonna be cheap. Not necessarily cheap, but they're going to be certain about money, right? They're going to have a number in mind, 125, 135 million. So why not, if you know you want this player for X amount of years, instead of playing around with arbitration every year, why not sign them to a long-term deal or, you know, four or five, five years? Because in my opinion for the Reds, something that's super valuable, that's not valuable to every single team is cost certainty. So if you know exactly how much they're going to cost in 2025, that's going to be easier to build your roster and sign free agents moving forward. Instead of trying to take a guess, oh, maybe they'll be worth this much, or maybe we'll have to deal with signing, you know, X, Y, and Z in two years. Like if you can try to get cost certainty for a team, that's going to be a little, little bit cheaper. Even if you end up paying a few million more this year or next year, just knowing how much it's going to be and having those players locked up will make free agency easier for you. Will make um, de- you know determining what moves are next a little bit easier for you. In terms of free agency this year, they haven't done a single thing. I mean, Jake Bowers was signed to a minor league deal. Like he's been on. How what is that? He on? He's always signing a, like a free agency. Seattle Mariners. He's great. always. He just keeps signing one year deals. I mean, maybe he's just. I mean, has he? I don't know. What is he doing? He's a corner outfielder, first baseman who does nothing. I mean, they are always around. You can find them everywhere. So let's dime a dozen. Let's do this because the Reds are so tough to evaluate because they can go so many different directions, somewhat similar to the Guardians, but the Reds are in a more interesting type spot. Let's play rebuild and then retool. So let's go down two different buckets because 
if if I'm in the Reds bucket and they're just going to stay mediocre, that just sounds like the absolute worst thing for the fans. So what we're going to do is give them a plan to rebuild, tear it all down. But then also if they plan to go for it, because they still have good players, like they could still keep Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, bring up their young pitchers. They still got some hitters in that lineup like Jesse Winker. They got dudes. They could re-sign Castellanos. So then let's retool them and make them contenders. But first, I think we should rebuild. And I think we should start with your article because you wrote an article on justbaseball.com roster questions. The Cincinnati Reds need to answer post lockout and your first one. Well, first it's kind of perfect because you need to determine the direction, but something that I saw the next bullet point was trade Sonny Gray. So let's start there. And you wrote the article. So who are you trained Sonny Gray to and why? And give me the logo. So- I was going to write this article when I was doing all the other off-season outlook articles in the beginning of the off-season, but I was waiting for the Reds to make a move that said, we're selling, we're buying, or whatnot. They never really made that huge move. I mean, God, moving on sucks. from Wade Miley, I mean, you know, that's $10 million for a 35-year-old that pitched the best season he will ever he pitch. He shoved. Like, Threw no litter. Yeah, like, <laughs> he's not doing it again, Cubs. Like, you can enjoy him. But, but maybe he will. Like, he's so weird. He might. He won't. <laughs> I'm I know the won't. peripherals don't look good, but like weirdly, he's one of those guys that numbers don't even matter because like yeah. how, how did they not crush him last year? So he just right. may shock the world again. Maybe. I doubt it. <laughs> so he's just be like, no, he's <laughs> not going to. I wouldn't bet on it, but it's not gambling advice. <laughs> yeah. um, trading Sonny Gray, however, is not even a rebuild move, in my opinion. Um, he's a super attractive piece to certain teams. If you strike out in free agency on these top pitchers, which some have already been off the market, let, let's say we get, you know, post lockout, a month goes by and you miss out on a, a couple starters that you were targeting. Okay, Sonny Gray at 10 million this year and a 12 million option next year. That's super affordable for a guy who has pitched ace level at times and at his worst is, you know, a three or a four. I mean, John, you know, John Gray's, you know, Get, getting more money than that yeah so in my opinion he's going to be really attractive now he's 31 years old he came over from the yankees after struggling and has really pitched well with the reds last year wasn't as good and in my opinion the reason why i want to move on from him is because the reds so many times have waited too long to move on from somebody he's dealt with some injury issues um and they're lingering it injuries it's not just you know he broke his toe and he's out and you know it's back issues and stuff that kind of kept coming up and it just worries me so at this point if you have an attractive piece in a position which you're strong not only on the major league roster but also with minor league depth why not move him and improve the depth of that farm system which in my opinion is top heavy in a lot of kind of boomer bust prospects after that strengthen the farm system and then you'll get some money instead of that 10 and 12 million to an aging Sonny Gray. Okay, well, Luis Castillo, you want to keep him around? There's some extra money. Tyler Malley, you want to sign him long-term? There's some extra money. Um, so I just think it's a perfect time to trade him. I don't know why a team wouldn't want Sonny Gray. Just about everybody could use him at that at that price tag. Are you concerned with Molly splits? Also, Tyler Ma- we're deciding it right now. Tyler, Tyler Malley or Tyler Molly? Tyler Malley, I was listening to your old podcast when you were debating that, and I was screaming, it's Malley. But am I concerned about his splits? I wrote an article about it for just baseball. I think exactly. it was my first article. 
he is super talented when he's on. Yeah, he really is. I mean, not family advice, but I was on him a lot. Yeah, well, and when I was writing this article, I just kept looking at it. I was like, oh my gosh, I do not know what to think of him because he'll give up seven runs one game and then pitch six scoreless innings the next game. Incredible. Um, I think he is somebody who they should keep around. He has enough talent. If he can just figure, I, I really couldn't, I don't have all the access to every stat that arm has. So maybe he has a better insight on this, but I really couldn't pinpoint anything. Maybe it was a mental thing, just pitching at home. You couldn't do it. Now the fly ball issue. I mean, great American um, ballpark is kind of hard to pitch in. Yeah. I think I, I might even be able to hit a home run out of there, but um, I, I absolutely could not get out of the (laughs) infield, but um, I I think Tyler Malley is a guy that they should lock up. He's pitched super well. He's I think 27 years old um, and part and part of the future, especially if that window is to still compete in the near future, meaning within the next four years, um, then yeah, you, you should lock him up and moving on from Sonny Gray. Some fans will not like that, but um, his value is still high right now or high enough. He's going to have an attractive market. Get out of that before it becomes kind of kind of like the Jay Bruce thing where it's like, man, we should trade a Jay Bruce two years ago. Well, here's Dilson Herrera and he will do absolutely nothing for you. So I don't want that situation to come up. Yeah. No. I, I like that. I like that idea a lot because like you said, there's going to be, there's going to be a laundry list of teams that that want Sonny Gray on a 11, $12 million annual value deal, a little bit less than that over the next two years. I mean, that's, that's a dream. And what I look, what I'm looking at here is like, who are the partners who make sense that could kind of help the Reds now and later? If I'm the Reds, you know, yeah, I want to bolster the farm system, but I also want prospects that are close to big league ready. Cause like I said, I mean, there's so many guys that are so far off uh, and, and so many guys that are extremely volatile and wide range of outcomes types of players. I look at a team like the giants who's still kind of looking to fill up their rotation and needing to keep up with the Dodgers and Sonny Gray seems to make a ton of sense. Won't break the bank for them. And, and they've got more than enough prospects to send over to the, to the reds that I think would make sense. I mean, if you get a Heliot Ramos and some other exactly pieces, I was wow. You Ramos, think they would trade Ramos for gray? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. I think so because Luis Matos has really emerged and they have, you know, some talent at the big league level. I think that's one of those guys they're okay dealing with or dealing away because you've got Luciano at the top. I know he's an infielder, but you've got Matos as the outfielder. Hunter Bishop is starting to look a little bit better as well. I'm not huge on him, but, but he's still somebody that's in the fold there and they've got some other pieces in a strong system overall. I would in one in one millisecond on both sides do that. And I think it would be Ramos in another piece, to be honest, after Ramos had a bit of a down year, he goes into a more hitter friendly environment, can play center field for you. Uh, I think that's like the ultimate trade partner where you're clearing up money. Maybe now you can address some other needs with some of that money that you have via free agency because there's the Donovan Solanos of the world who crush left-handed pitching uh, that you can add in there, the Josh Harrisons of the world. So you use some of that money, allocate it that way and go get your answer in center field for potentially the next six years. If he puts it all together, that's the kind of move I'd like to see the Reds make where you're like, yeah, we're not quite going for it, but we're still trying to remain competitive. Now we could sneak in, uh, but we're also trying to set ourselves up for the future. That's the kind of move that seems to make sense for me. 
Yeah. And the area of need, and I've been saying this since last year, is center field is number one problem with the Cincinnati Reds. And people will tell you it's not, and people will say other positions, but what they don't realize is Nick Senzel cannot be relied on for anything. Why is he second baseman, third baseman brought up to play center field? He was mediocre in center and to be, I mean, he, he was okay. Defensively, still so talented. You given up on him already? You, 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 I gave up on him last. <laughs> I mean, I, I tweeted out Senzel? last year, like I'm just not a Nick Senzel guy and I got a lot of hate, but it's He's hard 26. to cheer for someone who's not on the field. I know, but I, I feel like you can't give up on him yet because oh, I, I feel I'm like not. we were looking at like his hard hit data. It just almost seemed like he got a little bit unlucky, but then again, he's not on the field. So it's like, we cannot, we don't have enough data to really to really know what we have with Nick Senzel. And I think that's the problem that Reds fans have is they don't know what to do with him. Nick Senzel, to me, the expectations simply need to change about what he is. Instead of thinking mm. he's going to be some superstar, former top prospect, fans need to shift expectations. And in my opinion, why not make him the super utility guy? The mm. Reds are always injured. The Reds have terrible splits against lefties. Why not bring him in? He can play second, third, outfield. He wouldn't net, He wouldn't play every day, but maybe starting 60% of games, get, get him in there often. One, you can play him against matchups that you like. Two, you he aren't playing him every single day in a position where he's more likely to get injured because that's yep. what he does best. And three, if he simply is regulated to that role, maybe he performs better simply because the – pressure of former top pick you have to be our everyday you know center fielder and do this that and the other um i think it's just time for him to take a different role than savior of of the cincinnati reds because he's just not able to fulfill that which is okay that's fine but they need to find a role for for him and super utility would be in my opinion the best spot for him so speaking about a dude who sucks against lefties but is one of the best hitters in baseball off right-handed pitching. What are you doing with Jesse Winker? Because you had a great quote in your article that although he was in MVP discussions, he's basically a very high quality platoon guy because the splits are that dramatic. Like I, I, you wrote it against righties last season. He hit 346 with a 428 on base, 642 slugging, but against lefties, He hit 176 and only slugged 284. So, Clay, if we're rebuilding, are you looking across the market and saying, you know what? Who wants him? Yeah. um, So everyone thinks that I don't like Jesse Winker. Um, I like him a lot. It's hard to argue with the facts. He is a high-level platoon player. That's all he is. And all he can do is hit righties. He cannot run. He cannot field. Um, and he can't hit, he can't hit lefties in an ideal world. He is, you know, a, a, everyone was praising the giants last year. Look at them. They're platooning. They're being so smart. Okay. Well, if the reds adopt that people need to realize your MVP fanboy of J- Jesse Winker needs to realize that he's only playing against right-handed p- pitching and maybe he turns into a DH. Um, I mean, he's, you can put him in left field. It's not Dude, the Clay. worst thing in the world, but would he, you trade him is the question. Um, it, of course, depends on the return, but I would like to keep him. I just think you really have to paint that picture of you're a platoon left fielder slash DH. Like 
you are not an MVP le- level player. We're not giving you 18, $20 million a year. That's just not who you are. And again, that's not me talking negatively about him. That's just me being you don't even re- realistic 18, of who he is. You don't think 18 to 20. I'm just seeing some of these contracts go out and I'm saying, how could he even not get 18 to 20? Andrew Heaney's making 8 million. I'll tell you why. It's because he's never played over like 130 games because he's constantly injured. And that's and just also, another thing with the Reds. You're you're talking about him in the field. He single-handedly lost me two bets for those plays out in left field. Dropping fly balls, tracking the ball back, just hitting off his glove. I'm like, is this Little League? Like, you're, you're an MVP candidate currently. This was in the middle of the season when he was destroying baseballs. And it was like... This guy is the MVP. He looks like me out in left field, but does, but he rakes, he rakes. Like there, there are some points where I'm like, wow, he against right-handed pitching, especially is one of the best hitters in the league, but you point to the splits and you're like, well, you got to put him in the right position for him to succeed. Not he can be in any position and succeed. So his, his injuries are super concerning because it's constant. Now it's not Nixon's L level, but, This is a theme with the Reds. They have a ton of players who miss time consistently because of injuries. And just to give you an idea, whenever you think are the Reds going to make the smart move, the Reds played Jesse Winker in center field two years ago. So that's all you need to know about the Reds in their baseball sense. But yeah, so if I'm the Reds, I say to Jesse Winker, we will lock you up. But um, almost kind of like the Byron Buxton thing where it's like, hey, you know, you are injured a lot. You're a really good player, but you have X, Y, and Z as flaws or setbacks. Um, and the contract's going to reflect that. I just Not, can't emphasize yeah. enough, though. I mean, you cannot run it back next year with with this gaping splits issue. Yeah. You just can't. I mean, Peter and I talked about it a lot on the show last year. It, it, it's to the point where it's 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 a joke. I mean, it's it doesn't matter who throws. It could be it could be me with my left hand, and and that's what we we're talking about. And, and they can't hit it because you look through. It's not just a Jesse Winker issue. Joey Votto is miserable against lefties oh. at this point in his career. Thirty one of his thirty six home runs came against righties. He hit two fifteen uh, against lefties with with a miserable slash line. Uh, even Eugenio Suarez, I'm, I'm pretty sure has reversed. Isn't he supposed to hit there. lefties? Who yeah, does he hit reverse, then? In theory, nothing. Nothing. Uh, Naquin can't hit lefties, you know? So I'm looking through this whole team and I'm just like, they need to offset it with a lefty killer. And, and that's exactly why I'm looking at the Donovan Solanos of the world. And as unexciting as that is like, that makes a huge difference because you look at Donovan Solano, the player. And of course you're like, eh, that's not that exciting, but Donovan Solano, the player hit so. 335 yeah, against Southpaws. <laughs> yeah, he kind of rakes. He hits 335 against Southpaws. Now you have Jesse, in this instance, let's say he's platooning with, you know, just, just for argument's sake, he's platooning. He should just be the starting second baseman for the Reds. <laughs> like, yeah. Forget India. Like, you know, oh, yeah. like, who's, who's India? <laughs> who's that India guy? <laughs> I forget. Cause we just haven't mentioned him. So I'm like, Oh, well, who's at second base? Oh, their best player. That makes a lot of sense. Just, just for I, argument's I two names. sake. Sorry. Go, let me, let me finish this real quick. Cause I was going to say, just for argument's sake, I know he's not going to play the outfield, but just for the platoon argument, Jesse Winker. 330, 340 hitter minimum against righties, right? He's a sub 200 hitter against lefties. You throw in Donovan Solano, who hits 320 against lefties as well. Now you've created just one superstar. And that's exactly what the Giants did 
all the time with their platoons. It's not just finding platoons. It's finding those extreme platoons and offsetting it with another extreme platoon to create just this sick, sick super player. And, and that's exactly what I think they need to do and find one or two of those guys. Uh, there's a lot of them in the free agent market. If you're going to go trade with the Giants, have them throw in Wilmer Flores too, the ultimate lefty killer. Uh, and I'm sure the Giants will be happy to do that uh, in a deal for Sonny Gray. I don't think they care. But anyway, go ahead, Clay. What do you think? These are two names off the top of my head. This may be miserable, but it'll make for good content if it is. Why not throw a little bit of money on a one-year deal at Andrew McCutcheon or or make a trade if I, I think Baltimore picked up Trey Mancini. I mean, eight million dollars last year of a contract. Why not trade a mid, you know, a mid level guy, and then he could play against lefties. Mancini's going to be more expensive than that. He rakes. It you was eight so? million for his. Um, uh, I'm saying to trade or, for. I don't know if he will be though. I mean, Baltimore. I, don't, I, don't I think, think the price tag for Mancini, Mancini might be a little bit higher. I think it's going to be higher just because they don't want to trade him too. Yeah. Right? Like they're going to say, they're going to say, wow me. Like this guy's too important to us. Where's he going to play in Baltimore? I have no idea. I, <laughs> I mean, they have the I, DH. He can DH. Yeah, play I first. guess he's going to DH. His power is legit. He can play first. My, Ryan Mountcastle. Mountcastle. Yeah, that guy can't play. Can you believe he was drafted as a shortstop? It's, <laughs> it's just crazy. Uh, question for you. Is there any chance in the world that the Reds trade some prospects out for a controllable big league piece. Um, the one name that I keep coming across, and I've said this a lot, if if you're a small market team, you have to be risky. And I'm not saying like ultra, you know, out of control, but you have to take a risk time, time and time again to make your team better because you can't cover up mistakes with high price free agents typically. So if you want to roll the dice on a player who might be available, why not look at a deal for Kyle Lewis? Um, I, I actually like this fit because what if you want to do a deal that involves Sonny Gray and you include Kyle Lewis? And I'm not saying this is the Shrape deal, but also include Chris Flexen. And why do you do that? Because Chris Flexen's not that great, but mm. he can slot in like until the other players were ready for the Reds, right? So he can come in and eat up some innings. He pitched well last year. I don't think he'll be that good this year, but... You don't think so? Uh, I mean, he he's fine. I, I don't think he's, like, great, right? I kind of like him. But if... I mean, You're not letting Chris Flexen stop you from getting Sonny Graff. Right. Maybe I think of Chris Flexen kind of highly, yeah. like... I, I mean... You're getting Sonny Gray. I know, but is is Sonny Gray next year going to be much better than Chris Flexen is next year? I think so. I don't uh, know. So Chris, Kyle Lewis, though, why why yeah, not take a risk on a Kyle one. Lewis? I like him um, as a player, and I think Seattle said any production we get out of him, we consider a plus. So they don't even know if, and I know the injury history, but like I said, sometimes you have to take a risk, and it wouldn't be a straight-up trade. There'd, there'd be other pieces involved, but – Somebody like that. It's a very Indians trade. The Indians always like to get young players who are controllable with some with some MLB experience. Yeah. Um, so why not go that route? I got another one for you. Because Lewis, my only concern with Lewis is I don't think he sticks in center. Uh, I think with his knee, he's had two knee injuries now. One was catastrophic. Do they move him to a corner at that point? The Reds need corner outfielders. Yeah, too. it's true. Just roll the it's dice. True. We need them all. 
you want to talk about rolling the dice with a guy with control. How about a Ramon Laureano? And this mm. is Ramon Laureano is a lefty murderer. I mean, absolutely demolishes lefties. Supreme glove out there. I think the offense will even play up even more in great American ballpark. Because remember, he's playing in Oakland, where it is really hard to hit the ball out of there. And his offensive stats have really ticked up. Yes, the PEDs, I'm well aware. Not that concerned about it because he's, he's a gold glove caliber defender in center field. And I still think the offense is going to play up and he's a plus runner and all that good stuff. I love Laureano. You might be able to get him on the low because of the PEDs and, and because of a little bit of injury stuff. The problem is what are you trading? Because I don't, I'm trying to contextualize and, and just think about what the reds are doing here. They've got to be okay with giving up prospects. If you're getting a controllable big league piece, because it seems like they don't want to click the reset button. Like, are you okay with trading a, a Matt McLean in that deal? Or are you trying to package together like an Alan Serda and uh, Senzel and Lion Richardson or something to get that done? Yeah. And when I, so I, I thought of that exact name um, a few weeks ago, whenever I think about these trades, I always, of course, ask myself, okay, what would the Reds have to give up? Next question would be, okay, how many teams would be able to top that trade? Mm. And to me, I think if he's available in the Reds, I'm not at that threat. Like the threshold right now would be probably Alan Serta. Maybe. I don't even know at that point, um, you know, plus pieces, whatever. But I'm always saying, okay, if a team that's closer to contending, would they be able to top that trade? Yes. Would the Reds be able to, you know, raise it? I wouldn't if I was the Reds. Yes. Um, simply because that's one piece and the Reds are not one piece away. Um, the Reds need, I mean, in my opinion, three outfielders because you need someone to platoon with Winker. You need a right fielder. Nate Quinn's a fourth outfielder on a on a good team. And he's a, you know, you're if he's your third best outfielder, that's mediocre, I guess. But you know, he he played well last year, but he's been injured his entire career. And he was a non-roster invitee who made the team like he's fine. But at what point is is fine not enough? And for the Reds right now, I don't think they're you know, one piece away, but um, that's the, the thing about center field is there's really nobody in their prospect pool. That's going to be up in two years. That is a sure thing in center or even will stick in, in center. And that's alarming considering, you know, they've been building this roster and they're just like neglected. Keep in mind, they did not really have a center fielder before either. Nixon's L was not a center fielder. They made him one second base. They put Jose Barrero in center field. This He's a shortstop. <laughs> yeah. Jose Barrero had never played center field until he got to the MLB and they're like, hey, buddy, go out in center field. And center field's like a premium position. So I have another one to throw at you. And this player kind of fits in all these different buckets risk, outfield, young, and is better against left handed pitching. And do you trade Luis Castillo for Joe Adele from the Angels? No. Um, is that a guy that. No, you just straight up wouldn't do that. Marsh. Is, no, well, I know you probably want Marsh, but thinking about it, do you think the Angels would trade Brandon Marsh over Joe Adele? Maybe also, Arm, that's a question for you too. I, I'm assuming they'd rather keep Brandon Marsh than Joe Adele. So that's what I'm thinking. If Luis Castillo or Sonny Gray goes over for Joe Adele, he's kind of risky because, Arm, you've spoke to this. You don't love the swing, but he is a freak and he's crazy athletic and Maybe in the right situation, maybe you put him in Great American Ballpark and he, he starts raking. Yeah, he starts he raking. 40. Like, that's what I'm saying. So could that be a guy who they look at for one of these starting pitchers? Because the Angels need pitching more than anybody. 
I mean, not actually more than anybody since they've actually done well with Patrick Sandoval, Jose Suarez, um, obviously Shohei Otani, and now Noah Syndergaard. But I think Luis Castillo, you put him in that rotation, then you put Joe Adele in that outfield. You know, that's 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 moving towards something. So the way that I see Luis Castillo is he is potentially an ace, but a super high two, if not an ace, right? He, he so can volatile. pitch. Yeah, he, he can kind of pitch up and down, but... If I'm the Reds, I listen to, you know, any type of call on Castillo and I pull the trigger if it's an overpay and that's it. Really? I'm not doing anything that I think is fair because but even if age, you're rebuilding, you still well, wouldn't even at his age, you can sign him for another contract. I, and if I'm the Reds, I need. In my opinion, I would not trade him this year. Um, I, I would try to either sign him or if I were to trade him, it would be for a King's ransom that I don't think anyone will be willing to give up um, because the, the Reds are not in a position where they need to trade Luis Castillo. Um, if they were burning it down, it may be different, but I don't think that they need to completely burn it down. I don't see the 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 point in that, but um, Joe Adele particularly to me is just not someone that um, I'm willing to trade the most valuable trade piece for a guy who's, in my opinion, risky. Now, you know, when I was saying make a risky move, I was talking about, you know, Sonny Gray or somebody else. Luis Castillo can just, in my opinion, he can bring back a piece that's almost a sure thing, and Joe Adele is not that. Yeah, it's your ace in the back pocket kind of, right? And, like, if all goes bad, that's the one guy that can jumpstart your system and jumpstart your rebuild. And that's the interesting point. And I think, you know, with with Castillo's volatility, as Peter pointed towards, this coming season, if he's just dealing through the first half, you might be able to to leverage a King's ransom. Because as we know, I mean, arms are going to go down, right? I mean, it's an unfortunate reality of baseball. As arms go down, and if Castillo hits that hot streak, as we know he can hit, and he's when he's going right, he could be one of the best pitchers in baseball you don't know what a team might be desperately willing to to try to do to stay afloat in the dog days of the summer. And that could change everything for the Reds. So I, yeah, I'm, I think, I think you got to think about dealing them, but again, I think in the right spot, whereas Sonny Gray, if it's the right opportunity, it, it might make sense. I think what's really just holding this team back at the end of the day is the fact that they owe Mike Moustakis $16 million, Eugenio Suarez $11 million, and Shogo Akiyama $8 million. You have three guys that are net negatives on your team, accounting for more than almost half of the more almost half of the payroll. That can't really happen. Um, and if it weren't for Joey Votto, they'd account for the vast majority of the payroll. How can a mid, mid-market, small market team compete like that? Right. I think that's why they're just kind of saying, hey, we're we're stuck here because they kind of are stuck by their own reasoning. Obviously they could probably spend if they wanted to and survive, uh, but they're not comfortable going out of a certain zone there. And I kind of agree with you. They might not do anything (laughs) until those guys are off the books. I mean, those contracts are brutal. And it's not a bad, I mean, it is a bad spot. Don't get me wrong, but um, the glimmer of hope is okay. 2024, you clear up a lot of money. And at that point, Nick Lodolo hopefully has, you know, two years and he's starting to reach more prime than, you know, the the thing that I struggle with, with fans is they think Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, they're going to come up this year. They are going to be what they're projected to be in year one. And that's not the case. It takes a couple of years, right? 
fans need to get that in their mind that a rookie will not reach his ceiling his rookie year. And if he does, then that's not a good thing, right? Um, so in 2024, if you have Lodolo, Green, um, even if you still have Castillo, Tyler, Malley, I mean, that's a legit, if things go well, a legit rotation. Um, and Arm kind of broke down some arms that could factor into the bullpen. And Barrero, you know, maybe he comes around. He struggled in the majors, but there's so many reasons why he has, and he's had such a small opportunity to as well. Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India, you don't have to squint too hard to think, okay, maybe there is some light at the end of the tunnel. The question now is the Reds have to make smart moves this offseason and by this deadline to set themselves up instead of the last rebuild where they waited so long and got you know, absolutely nobody for their top trade pieces. And that's what set them back. And that's why they are where they are right now. This is when they're supposed to be competing. The reason why there's holes is because you got Calum Cotham in a return and that's just not going to help your ball club. So, so if there's light at the end of the tunnel, because we did just kind of rebuild this entire team, you know, we just kind of tore down, we're trading away everybody, but if the Reds decided they wanted to buy, if they decided that they wanted to hit left-handed pitching, why don't you re-sign the only dude on your team who was hitting left-handed pitching in Nick Castellanos? And you're shaking your head. Is it just like, see you later? I know he's going to yeah. be a lot of money, but remember, we're doing hypotheticals here. If we were to actually rebuild this Reds team, why are you hesitant to maybe build around Nick Castellanos? Um. I don't want to give him seven years and I don't want him to play outfield defense at all. Um, That's why you're here. And I want, and it's nothing against him. He was awesome for, for the city. And I loved watching him play. However, I just don't feel like that contract will age well. Um, And, you know, everyone does this too. Everyone has short-term memory. So everyone remembers how good he was this year. He was so bad in 2020 that people wanted him to opt out no matter what of his contract. And he opted back in and he raked and everyone's like, sign him up for seven years. His home road splits. I mean, if he's playing in great American won't matter, but when you're a small market team like the Reds and you sign a long-term contract like that for that much money, it's going to cripple you. Exactly what we're seeing with Joey Votto, right? 39 years old, making over 20 million. And what does that do? It allows your younger players not to get paid or you have to move on from players and those contracts are going to bite you. But he earned Um, his money this year. Joey Votto, he got a rake. Votto still bangs. Man, it was such a bad take I had. Like for the past two years, I've been like warning everyone, like just be ready for Joey Votto. I don't want this to be Ryan Howard where the city turns on him because he sucks when he's not even supposed to be good. And And then he's like a best player. He just comes out and he like plays well, but I'll, I'll double down and say it again. Like, I don't think Joey Votto is going to be a plus player for the remainder of that contract, but um, th- those are the type of contracts that can cripple a small mar- market team and lead into a rebuild. So giving Cassianos the money, I wouldn't um, a guy who is really interesting to me. And this is off the, the, the left-handed pitching thing, but was Michael Conforto. I thought he would be a good piece. You could almost give him the same deal that you gave Cassianos. 16 for four years per 16 per year for four years with opt-outs um man if he could get into great american ballpark i i think he could really rake i love i love him too so same agent 
Yeah, we've been talking on this podcast, just hyping him up because we know like the Mets in general just had such a weird year. I mean, across the board, they had hitters struggling and it really seemed to me that it was more possibly a clubhouse thing, that there were issues going on, that there's no way that all of them had struggles and that it wasn't, that it was just some sort of coincidence. So I think a guy like Michael Conforto could use a change of scenery and you put him in Great America Ballpark. He'll rake. I mean, there's no doubt that swing is too good. He he has the pedigree of a good hitter before. It's not like he's been struggling his whole career and is now looking to break out. Like he has been good for a while. But I'm talking about if we're helping the Reds win now. Like I know 2024, and maybe there maybe there really isn't a chance to win now. But let's try. So is okay. there anybody? Like free agency, I like the Conforto conversation. Like who else are we adding to the Reds to make them a real contender? Because also you look at the NL Central, right? Well, here's the deal with the Reds. Not much standing in your way. I mean, not a ton. Yeah, they they have a lot of injury-prone, platoon-level players and players who do not play defense. So you have to fix all of that to compete this year. Okay, what do you do first? Well, you'd have to move the moose contract if, if we're playing win now trade a good prospect attached to the moose contract maybe do the same or swap that for suarez free up the money um sign a legitimate backup catcher instead of cap or whatever his name is from the phillies who's going to be the backup um you guys want and, gary what's that you got you want gary yeah exactly we'll take the um, yeah okay <laughs> deal um, and then you have to fix the outfield. I mean, it is such a gaping hole. Aristides Aquino is not a good baseball player, and I hate to say that. Talk you to can look me at, about Aristides and, Aquino. And everyone says, oh, well, he's hit 32 home runs and 200 at-bats or whatever. I don't care because they all came in one month, and then he struck out every time since then. <laughs> he's not an MLB caliber player. He has a lot of pop. Trade him to a team that still thinks he is and get a bullpen arm for all I care. Find a legitimate center fielder. Make Senzel the super utility guy. Um, the weak spot can be shortstop, I guess, and just hope Jose Barrero turns into what you think he is. And if not, Kyle Farmer, who's a utility level player who everyone loves because he had one good month last year. Play yeah. him at shortstop. He's good d- d- defensively. Um, Wait, India, can I, can I, I ask mean, a quick, quick question about Kyle Farmer? Because I was talking about on the live, and, I, and there were Reds fans because we were talking about the Reds. And I was asking them, I'm like, why do they continue to put Kyle Farmer at shortstop? Dude, Reds fans and they won't him. move him off. Like, what what do they see? Because I'm maybe I'm missing something. Kyle Farmer is exactly this. He was a backup catcher when he was acquired in the Homer Bailey deal with Matt Kemp, former Red Matt Kemp. Everyone forgets. Legend. Um, and Puig, right? Kyle Farmer's kind of the throw, and he was a backup catcher, super utilities, played left, first, third, short, second catcher, and he is a really good bench bat. He was forced into the starting shortstop role this year. He had never really played shortstop except for in college. Um, He was good on defense. His bat just is a backup bat. However, he had one really incredible month, and everyone decided – shortstop of the future, 30-year-old Kyle Farmer, whose entire career has not been good, but one month determines his future. And um, I I do think he's a good bench player, but I think he's exactly that. Now, it's turned into Jose Barrero versus Kyle Farmer, and you're either a Barrero guy or you're a Farmer guy. 
Lord forbid you like both and your team excels if both do well. But um, if if Jose Barrero's development is blocked by Kyle Farmer <laughs> on a team that wins 75 games, that's criminal. There's going to be some issues. That's criminal. Because Aram, I mean, we yeah, watched Jose that... Barrero in the Futures game, and I remember looking over at you while he was taking ground balls, and I'm like, wait, is that Jose Barrero? Like the prospect that we were looking at that we kind of weren't sure about, but I'm like, his glove looked great in the field, and he was raking in batting practice, and then put together together a couple hard balls in that Futures game. Do you like Jose Barrero? Aram, moving yeah. forward? Yeah, I like him. I, I think, you know, there's there's some swing and miss, right? But like, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, if he clicks for him, like he could be an all-star. Like, let's see how it goes. Like, let's let's he doesn't have anything else to show in the minors. We like you said, we saw some flashes of what could be a really good player. Like, let's let's go. Let's see what he can do. Uh, if it doesn't work out, you've got the fallback plan on Kyle Farmer and let Barrero get some more reps in triple A. But I, I think that no, whether you're trying to win now or not, you got to roll Barrero out there and see what you got. Uh, and that that's something I like him. And, and I want to see I want to see what what he can do. I, I'm all in on that. Another guy that I think can actually help this team next year is Graham Ashcraft. I think Ashcraft can go in into a reliever role and be disgusting for them right away. Or you give him a little bit of time and he could, by the middle of the year, slot into the back end of that rotation. And that's another guy that they have that could ultimately be a trade piece, but also could be a rotation piece in the future. Or worst case, a lights out closer. That helps your bullpen a little bit. They've got some pieces, but it seems like the ultimate answer here, unfortunately, is going to be that they kind of sit in purgatory, right? Make a couple small moves. Hope they catch lightning in a bottle. If they catch lightning in a bottle, then maybe they buy at the deadline a little bit. Uh, if not, then maybe they sell some pieces if the offer is right. I feel like it's going to be very kind of in the middle, and they're going to keep towing that line until they get more of a direction themselves. I think they're going to kind of let the win-loss column dictate it this year. Also, Clay, something we haven't really talked about at all. I mean, we've talked about the starting rotation. We've talked about um, the offense do you care to add a bullpen piece? You guys had the fourth worst ERA in baseball as a bullpen. Losing uh, Rossiel Iglesias definitely didn't help. And now he's locked up with the Angels. The bullpen almost seems like the biggest problem to me. Yeah, so I was avoiding the bullpen as much as possible. But here we are. Um, believe it or not, I know you're fine. It's hard to believe. Um, Heath Hembry was not the answer for the Reds last year. surprising. I don't, I don't know how, but... Um, I actually tweeted about Heath Hembury and how dominant he was in his career against the Dodgers. It's like four games <laughs> and the Reds were about to play the Dodgers in the same day I tweeted it. He got cut <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, dude, here we go. But the Reds bullpen TJ Antone has been disgusting. He's good. However, he's on his second Tommy John. He's going to miss like, I mean, he just can't stay healthy. He is like such a dominant pitcher. If you look at his stats. I mean, he is out of this world unreal. good. Unreal. But they're not, they're not going to be with, with him. Former Yankee, um, Luis Sessa was good last year. He's he is solid. Yeah, I, I mean, he's, he's if he's your fifth guy in the bullpen or whatever, like, good, fourth guy or whatever. Um, other than that, I mean, Amir Garrett was awful. But we've all I, seen how good he can be at times. That was one of my worst takes. I came in really thinking that he could be like a top 10 closer. And how wrong was I there? 
Dude, I have two Reds jerseys right now. One's Amir Garrett and one Shogo Akiyama. Oh, no. Both just bombs. If anyone wants a Shogo Akiyama jersey, DM me. I'll send it to you for free. <laughs> um, other than that, I mean, there, there's just some some guys, just a bunch of Jags that are just, I mean, Lucas Sims is super good. He's good. Right? Um, but that's one guy. To, Tony Santion was actually a prospect who I liked a lot a few years back as a starter. And um, he he has some some really good good stuff, and he came in as a reliever at times and pitched well. Um, maybe he adopts that role full full time moving forward, and that can help. Other than that, you know, Justin Wilson, um, Art Warren is actually a guy who a lot of people like. And if you don't know who Art Warren is, he was good last year, only like yeah, thirty was but he had a sub good. And he was kind of like a written off prospect, kind of like a pickup on waivers type. Um. And he looked incredible at times. He was also, of course, injured for a chunk of time. But then you have like Ryan Hendricks and um, just some guys who are, are going to get some innings. But um, there is one guy who I like a lot, Aram, who's just added to the 40-man, Alexis Diaz. Have you come across him? If you haven't, you need to watch him know. pitch. He has a lot of crazy movement. And I saw him strike out um, Brendan Davis and just made him look like a fool. Um, in that game, he pitched two innings, six strikeouts. I mean, the guy was just added to the 40-man. And if he gets a shot, I mean, he's one of those types, just like the movement on his pitches. He's going to be like – and I always do this for whatever reason. I, I always pick like next year's fan favorite. And like he is that. If he pitches and gets an opportunity, like people are just going to fall in love with that guy. Well, I, that's the thing. That's the thing with bullpen arms is I always feel like when you're looking at bullpen arms – it's kind of easy to address in a lot of ways. You're going to have some guy that emerges out of the minor leagues for you. You can have some reclamation projects like a Jimmy Nelson, bring him back there and, and having him when he's healthy is nasty. Like you could just throw a bunch of irons in the fire of guys who have some stuff and a few of them are going to put it together. And that's kind of what, what I like about addressing the bullpen in, in a cheap way for the most part is I think you can do that. You could even go get a Steve Ciszek who gets a ton of ground balls and slot him into the seventh inning. And, and yeah. that's why I'm like, okay, the bullpen you can solve. I, I think you can solve that affordably, uh, especially when you have guys in the system. There's a lot of guys like Bryce Bonin and some of the other guys in, in, in the minor leagues for the Reds who have two nasty pitches can slot into the bullpen and you can try it. Uh, and that's why I think in today's game, you, you can you can kind of put your bullpen together. How many times does a guy just a failed starter or whoever just emerge having two pitches, throwing gas, and we're like, oh, my gosh, that guy's nasty. Like you can find those dudes. And that's why I'm not, I never get too worried about a team's bullpen uh, until they go into the season. Once you go into the season, I'm like, all right, you really went into the season with that, with that, uh, you know, you got to balance it out with a couple vets. And I think that they need to sign maybe one or two guys, but I, I think that they could solve a lot of the other issues internally. Uh, and I, that's why I think they, they might even start Ashcraft in the bullpen. Uh, and he's got that class a kind of stuff with, with that tumbling cutterish fastball and then a slider and it looks like a gyro ball. Like it, it it's really cool. So I, I think you can address it internally. I'm just losing sleep over the left-handed hitter thing. I and, and the left-on-left issue. I just don't it, know it, how, how they solve that. It's not even bad luck. It's bad hitters against yeah, lefties. And that's how you, you you don't roll into the season saying like, oh, we got unlucky. Like Joey Votto has not been able to hit le- lefties. Jesse Winker can't can't even pick up a ball out if it's thrown from a left instead of a right hand. Like these are issues that are not going to go away. And the way that you address it is either platooning or just overall 
upgrading from the players who can't hit left-handed pitching. And that's why Tyler Stevenson, um, in my opinion, last year should have started every game against a lefty at first base and against mm-hmm. righties behind the plate. But then you got, okay, well, you know, Tucker Barnhart at the time was left-handed too. So like he, you know, Tyler Stevenson can't play both positions against left-handed. Just put Jonathan India in all of the outfield spots and all of the infield spots. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, okay. So is Jesse, or excuse me, is Joey Votto going to play better if you platoon him and he's rested more than playing every day, right? Yes. Now the idea of it or the kind of rumor of it is Joey Votto has no interest in being platooned. (laughs) <laughs> which that's great. He doesn't make the lineup, but you know, give him a the, day the off every week against the lefty one day off a week against the lefty. Even yeah. that will make it not that hard. Was he going to be like pissed? <laughs> yeah. I guess he's going to do request a trade deal so, with it, Joey. So to, so to wrap up, I do want to ask you guys, because we've gone through a lot of scenarios and this is the team that I would say is like, the one team that I think you could say is so right down the middle. So in just a couple words, I give you the keys to the front office, Clay. I give you the keys to the front office, Aram. Are you rebuilding or are you, are you tearing? I'll give you a couple options. Are you tearing it down? Are you just rebuilding? Are you retooling or are you going for it? I'm I'm realigning the payroll because <laughs> I don't want to just cop out answer the world. Yeah, now I get why you said that because I don't want to <laughs> answer this one at all. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, shit. I'll tell you what what I'm doing. I think I am doing a rebuild in the yeah. sense where I would trade away Sonny Gray. Um, I would trade away a couple more of these guys, but I think you're right, Clay. I don't think you got to trade away Castillo. I don't think necessarily you have to trade away Winker. Um, and you just kind of go from there. You hope that Hunter Green, Ladolo, I mean, Aram, you're, you're kind of, you're wincing it's there. It's so hard. I'm I know like, it's I'm hard and I'm back. trying to piece it together. It's, it's such a hard team to talk about. Yeah. I want to hear Clay's plan. So yeah. first off, I have the direct quote from general manager, Nick Crawl on the <laughs> On the offseason of the Reds. But going into 2022, we must align our payroll to our resources and continue focusing on scouting and development with young talent in our system. Okay, so what would I do? So I I think this team was kind of similar to a situation that the Twins were in. Um, Some older players with some some contracts. Do they rebuild? Do they add? Um, The Twins, however, locked up Buxton and... Um, added Bundy and, you know, added some moves on, on, on the peripheral that could make them better. However, what would I do as the Reds? Um, I would not tear down. I would establish the core, um, including India and Stevenson. And, you know, a, one of the pitchers will work, if not both of the prospects. Yeah. I would simply, I, I would free up money on pieces that are not going to be here in three years, and I would work on signing the pieces that will. So I guess you would call that a retool, um, which never really works. Retooling does not often work, especially in a non-salary cap. I don't know what the Cubs are doing. League. In a salary cap, cap league, it works more, but not in baseball. So retooling, I would go that route. Um, 
and just be be ready for 2024 now are, are the cardinals better than they were last year are the brewers better than they were last year um the other thing that everyone's not thinking about is the pirates are going to be so much better and by then and the pirates have a stack system like people are forgetting that the pirates are you know we we all like to make fun of them but like they could very well be competing with the reds and if during the reds quote unquote the window. Cubs. yeah in the in the cubs so and the cubs so are going for retool it. retool trade sunny gray the day the lockout ends or you know within a month and get get a return that can help you because right now there's too many holes to fill all i ask from the Reds is that they perform better against the spread. They were the fourth worst team this year against the spread. And that's a gambling term 72 and 89. So at least their overall record was better than against the spread. But if I'm, if I'm going with a Reds bet, if I'm going to turn on the game, I, they got to be better against the spread. Here's a little bit of advice for you, Pete. And this isn't gambling advice. Not. But if you want to bet with the Reds or on the Reds, simply bet over under strikeouts for Suarez, bet the over, and games played for Sinzel and bet the under. <laughs> Not locks. exactly. We only advice, give you straight up locks on this podcast. That's not gambling advice. It's gambling guidance. That That's like so accurate. It might almost be gambling advice. It's never gambling advice, but that's so accurate that it might... So thank you, Clay. And that's Clay underscore Reds on Twitter. You got to go check it out. Also go check out his article. Uh, Roster questions the Cincinnati Reds need to answer post-lockout. Also go check out Arms top prospects for the Reds. Clay, got anything to plug before we head out? That's it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. And And also before I thank everybody, definitely get your Just Baseball merch. Use code hot stove for 15% off, which you can find in the description below. We're talking a lot about not gambling advice. We have not gambling advice t-shirts. Definitely check that out in the description or get yourself a hat. You know, it's the holidays. I'm sure if you've been watching on TikTok or someone, someone's going to appreciate it. Just baseball shirt. So feel free to check that out in the description. I'm at Peter Apple 23 on Twitter. That's arm latent eight on Twitter. Arm, you got anything before we head out? Uh, no, I was just gonna say, I like, I like Clay's plan. I, I'm kind of along the same lines there. Uh, get that young core together and, and get a, a young kind of close to big league ready or, or controllable group there and get Reds fans excited about something in the future. But I hope they enjoyed this episode. I know they're usually feeling like they're a little overlooked, but not here at just baseball. We made it Reds week pretty much here. We do love the Reds and no matter what, you know, we feel free and we're going to keep covering you no matter what the Reds do, because they are such an interesting team to cover. But thank you, everybody. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.